badasses thank you for coming back for another episode of holistic badass today we are going to chat with jeanette morell she is an iet practitioner which falls into the realm of energy medicine so come on in and let's listen to jeanette We also have the herb of the hour, and today it is our friend Yarrow. We have, of course, the Ask the Herb Chick segment where we will be covering body odor. So come on in, tune in, turn it up, and let's listen and learn about some holistic badass ways. The information presented in this podcast is for informational and self-education use only. It is not intended for self-diagnosis nor treatment nor anything that constitutes the practice of medicine. Please consult with a qualified physician concerning the prudence of and before undertaking any major changes in diet, any treatments for disease, any use of drugs or prescription items or the cessation thereof. Hey, all you holistic badasses. Today, I have my friend Jeanette Morell, and we are going to discuss something called IET. And before I screw up what those letters stand for and what it is, it is better to have it come from somebody who is a practitioner of it. So Jeanette, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Jeanette. I am an IET master instructor, as well as a tarot reader. And then by day, I am an analyst. So those things work very interestingly together, but (laughs) we make them work. Um, But yeah, I found IET about, I want to say probably seven, eight years ago now, um, 2020 feels like that was 10 years all of in and of itself. I just feel like 2020 should not even be there. It was like a gigantic global pause. Yeah, it was weird energy. So every time I think back now, it's like, wait, how long ago was that? So I could be getting my dates mis- mixed up here. But IET stands for Integrated Energy Therapy. And it is a energy healing modality that works with the angels. It was created by Stephen Thayer in the center of being. Um, And IET works with the violet flame, basically the violet angelic energy ray. And yeah, it's kind of very similar to Reiki. Okay. It works with the angels. And it works with the 12-strand spiritual DNA. Awesome. So for someone who is just listening to this, um, what is 12-strand spiritual DNA? So 12-strand spiritual DNA kind of works the way you would picture your, you know, I guess the DNA we are all used to. 
but this is spiritual in the sense that we are talking about you know, past lives, we are talking about energy patterns. Um, so the thought process is that energetically speaking, there are things that kind of stick with us in our DNA and prevent us from growing, from evolving and from empowering ourselves as we move forward in life. So it kind of helps us make peace with the past and heal the past while moving towards our future. Right. So kind of like when we're stuck in a cycle, we tend to repeat those cycles or we repeat those self-sabotaging or self-destructive habits over and over. Yes. So you can think of it kind of when we think about generations and we're passing down dis-ease in that way the spiritual dna we can also see a little bit of generational trauma there oh that sounds super interesting so you said it's a lot like reiki so when you were undergoing your training and classes and such in reiki a lot of times you go through the class you learn basic mechanics and theories and such and then they have what they call an attunement is it a similar process? Yes. So for IET, one of the things that I absolutely love is that it's still, it's regulated. Um, I, I am also a Reiki master and one of the struggles was everybody was kind of doing their own thing. Um, so with IET, you would go to a class. Every single class comes with a booklet. The booklet we purchase right through the center of being. Um, we are not allowed to deviate from those teachings. But to answer your question, yes, that includes an attunement. In the case of IET, the attunement must happen in person. So we can do an IET session over distance, but the attunement itself, the class itself has to be in person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see where that would be of benefits. Um I definitely see where that would be a benefit because sometimes I, I feel that, you know, it's really easy to just say, hey, I ordered a Reiki master off of Etsy, which they don't do that anymore. But at one point you could do that. And then you just got like some downloadable 12 page booklet, read through it, and you were told on such and such a date and time, you got it. You, you, you've got it. You are now a Reiki master, which I always thought was a little weird. What's Yeah. What's interesting is that back in the day, um, and even in certain countries, it takes you about 10 to 15 years to become a Reiki master. Right, right. And I think I actually got my Reiki master from a lady who was kind of local to me. And um, she wanted to work with me in some sessions before she would even agree. Yes. Yeah. Do they do kind of a similar type of thing, like to make sure you're on the up and up and that you're not so far off their, their uh, radar type of, so to speak? So with IET, you don't need to kind of go through those sessions, but you do need level one, two three, and then you can take um, master instructor, um, but you don't have, there's no prerequisite of like, you must take, you know, you must have X amount of sessions or you must um, okay. 
do this, but the the classes are regulated. So, you know, you there are a certain amount of hours that you would have to go through. Um, so you can't just buy it and have an attunement and walk out in an hour and you're level one. Um, it's usually, uh, I believe, two day class. Oh, OK. Interesting. So let's say I come to you for an IET session. What happens? Walk me through it. So IET session, um, very similar to Reiki. You would come in. Um, it could be distance or in person. We would talk about your intention. One thing that I always, always mention with any of these is you should be fully clothed and you should be covered and you should be very comfortable. Um, the session that you would get with me for IET would be basically the same exact session that you get with any practitioner because we are supposed to do them in the same way. The only difference would be maybe I can add a little bit of Reiki, maybe I can add crystals, but the idea is the same. The session should look the same. We have a few different levels of IET sessions for someone who's coming in for the first time. Um, we would kind of work just to kind of integrate energy and kind of give you a little bit of boost of energy. If someone is coming in and they want to kind of work on deeper issues, we can kind of trigger, which basically means we bring certain things up. And all of this is just done through touching specific points on the body, none of which are intimate. And if the person does not feel comfortable with touch, it could be done. We can kind of hover over the area. Um, mm -hmm. For example, the throat is usually something that personally, I don't want anyone putting their hands over my throat. Right. Um, right. So I will ask, like, can you hover? And I will usually in session hover over. Um, but we would trigger something. So for example, in the shoulders, we would trigger the shoulds. You know, I should do this. I should be this. I should act this way. I should feel this. And then we would imprint something that would be more positive, such as spiritual freedom or, you know, spiritual pride or love, something along those lines. Each of the trigger points has a specific freedom or integration point attached to it. Interesting. So um, when you say at the shoulders, because in Reiki, they deal mainly with your main seven chakras, you know, the Roy G. Biv little glowing balls that everyone's at this point in time familiar with. What what other energy points do IET utilize? So or does utilize, IET utilize? Sure. So we utilize, we start at the crown. We would work our way down. Um, we definitely don't go just with the chakras. Um, we would work with crown around that area. Um, the back of the head, the third eye, throat, um, kind of the back areas, the spleen, the ribs, um, and kind of the hip area. Okay. Okay. So, like, this is an audio podcast, so obviously people can't see what I'm thinking of. But sometimes when you look up um, different terms that are used in energy work you can sometimes find what they call refer to as jacob's ladder and it kind of like in my brain visualizes like that do you know what i'm talking about it's the 
the seven chakras down the side and then there's the down the middle I should say and then there's like little ones off to the side that are like halfway points in between and then they draw all these little lines in between so I mean it's pretty interesting um because I know I I had a session with you the one time and um I kept thinking of that picture the whole time And I believe I, um, I'm trying to remember when I had um, actually seen that diagram. If you give me a second, I can look that up. Um, uh, can't remember the name of, here we go, Kabbalah, Kabbalah, or however you want to say it. Um, they have a diagram that is similar to that as well and so it always strikes me when there's so many similarities between different practices of energy work and spirituality it always kind of hits me with oh yeah that that kind of overlays and overlaps and you know when there's overlayment and overlapping i'm just all like oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like, it it all does meet somewhere most of the time it's like all the little tumblers and the padlocks slide into place, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing again. So awesome. So how did you, um, how do you apply IET in your own life? So IET for me has been, besides tarot, has been the tool that I use the most. Um, I do sometimes just sit and give myself sessions um at the master level we have you know a little bit of extra that we learn including you know let me try to draw in the right people which has been so helpful to me just you know clients let me find the right clients somebody that i can help and they can help me and we can kind of work together there is also iet for pets as you know um my dog is I don't want to say sickly, but he has some issues and IET helps him out a lot. So just awesome. giving myself sessions and working with him and then kind of doing those extras of, you know, let me bless this. Let me bring in these people on a personal level, on a professional level and just clearing my energy. So you said that IET works with the angels. Are you able to clarify on that a little bit? Because sometimes I think people are always like, well, how do you know that what you're doing is okay? And sure. So Stephen Thayer is an engineer or was an engineer. And he took a Reiki class and um, I think I relate to this because of this part, but anyways, um, he was doing a Reiki session and he was struggling with the, you know, how do I do this? How do I get this done? I don't know where to put my hands. The instructions with Reiki are more, you know, kind of feel into it, go with it. Um, for IET, it's more, this is how you do it. This is where you go. And this is how it should look. Um, so mm -hmm. he was doing a session and he said that he connected to Angel Ariel. And he did not believe at first that that was, you know, he wasn't sure what was happening. He just knew that he was being told, do this here, do that there. Um, a great book by Stephen Thayer is Interview with an Angel, where he interviews um, Angel Ariel, who is the angel that gave him IET. Okay. On a personal level, 
I have always, you know, worked with the angels myself. And I think that for me, I feel that angelic presence. It feels loving. It feels gentle. It feels caring. Um, and there are other angels that work with IET. There are classes specifically about the angels um, and IET. And I think that for me, it's that knowing and then also trusting that what I am working with and experiencing it for myself as well. Awesome. Yeah, because I just, <clears throat> I feel like sometimes people decide that when you're in this type of arena, that you're a very woo-woo person. And you had mentioned that you work as an analyst, which, um, and I, it's computer analyst, right? Correct. I am an analyst for a Medicaid company that deals with pharmacy, a pharmacy benefit manager. Right. So I, I feel like, you know, um, going like with psychology, with the, the hypothesis of two parts of your brain, that kind of thing, which literally no one's brain is split in half and one side does one thing and one does the other. But it, it's a nice way of thinking of it so that you understand that different parts of your brain um, activate different centers and different activities activate different parts. It's not necessarily exactly split in half. But I, I feel like when you're in that analytical role, it's so simple to ignore the more, uh, I don't like the word esoteric, what am I looking for? The more feeling side of things. So do you feel that IET kind of balances that out a little bit and kind of gets you out of the analytical and more into the feeling part of it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I definitely struggle with um, some of the woo, right? Some of that, like, okay, what? I can't see this. I can't necessarily touch this with many things. Um, and, you know, I am around people that are working with computers and, you know, they're very analytical all day long. And then to kind of turn that off and go into IET, Reiki, Tarot, it can be a little bit of like, what am I doing here? What am I, what am I doing? But the great thing with IET and Tarot has been that I can see the difference. I can feel the difference. Um, the first time I went and I had an IET session, I had already taken my Reiki classes and I personally do not connect as well with Reiki because it didn't, I, I didn't necessarily feel or experience anything. Um, when I was having my IET session the first time, I was able to recall a childhood memory that I had completely forgotten about. I do have some trauma from childhood and I do have very little memories from that time. And I was able to start to feel and see the difference in my life. So that felt, you know, for me, that wasn't something that was going to come from something that wasn't of the highest real. good or real. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, um, for those guys who, for the people that don't know, I actually have a bachelor's in biology and psychology. So a lot of the 
the inner child work and stuff is stuff that those are topics that we cover in counseling classes. And while I did not go on to get my counseling um, license, you know, as of yet, and I don't know if that'll happen. However, it is something that they bring in. And so I see a lot of value in a technique like IET to kind of help point directions to those subconscious trauma responses and patterns of behavior and maybe you don't remember what happened to you as a kid there it's totally normal for people to not have memories of their entire childhood or certain things being completely blocked out until they experience some sort of trigger so like IET being a trigger would be a heck of a lot better than you in the middle of a terrible irrational behavior as a response to some trigger out in the middle of the regular life, you know? So that's just my two cents. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's also relaxing, right? If you are just relaxing, you are receiving this energy and you are relaxing and you are allowing things to come to the forefront and it's not hurting anyone. That's kind of also how I got into it of like, maybe I don't have to fully 100% believe that this is really happening because my brain doesn't always allow for that, um, you know, but at least I know that I'm not doing anything that's going to hurt me or anybody else. And I am just, you know, on a personal level, healing myself and allowing things to come up, relaxing. And then as I moved through that, now it's like, okay, now I see it. It's working. I've seen it work for other people. I've seen it work for myself and I can, I can stand behind this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great way of looking at it. And you know, the whole point of the podcast is interviewing people and me discussing things that are out there and what people consider to be alternative or um, not necessarily fringe because we're not like out there doing psychic surgeries, which are a little <laughs> strange, but you know, I mean, but it's things that people don't normally come across in their everyday life. And if they're new to alternatives or natural things, or they want to go into a more holistic approach to their own lives, like there's so much information and it all gets dumped on you at once and you have no idea where to go. So like the whole idea of me doing the podcast and having people talk with me about what they do is so that people can kind of get a feel for what's there and, and maybe find that one tool that would work better for them. You know, like we have this gigantic toolbox and we just have all these tools in there. And if we have no inkling of an idea of what they're for, we're never going to use them. Exactly. So, yeah. So um, when you see clients, you see them in your home or at another place of business or? I mostly do my IET sessions um, through distance, uh, mm -hmm. especially with everything happening in the last few years. Um, and unless it's somebody that I know, then they can kind of come over. I have a massage table, but mostly distance. Um, it works the same way as it would in person. I would usually start like a Zoom. That way, if the person wants it recorded, because sometimes things will come up that they want to talk through as we're doing the session or I want to mention. Um, sometimes it's complete silence, but they get to be there, you know, quote unquote live, just not in person, but they are right. you know, either on the phone, on Zoom. Um, 
some people are just like, text me. I just want to kind of relax it back and you just text me what you're doing. Text me if you need me. So mostly distance. Okay. Awesome. And how would people find your business? I know you mainly do everything online right now, but how would, how do they find you on the interwebs? Violetintegration.com. And that has all the services, information about me, and then same thing um, with YouTube, but YouTube is mostly just tarot readings and pick a card readings. Okay. Awesome. Cool beans. Thank you for being on with me today. Thank you for talking to me about IET. Um, It is definitely interesting. It is on my list of things to pursue. Um, And you can find out more about IET by looking up what? LearnIET.com is the official website for the Center of Being. And they have a very cool section where you can find practitioners So if you're looking for somebody in the area to give you an in-person session, because I think everybody should experience that as well, um, that you can find someone there or you can find all of the classes. And some of the classes have to do with angels um, and kind of working with other things, not just becoming an IET practitioner. Awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much for the information. And I hope you have a great night. And Give Dobby a scratch behind the ears for me, and you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey. Are you a holistic badass who's also a practitioner? Do you do foot reflexology? Do you do ear candling? Do you see clients and offer suggestions? Maybe it's time to get yourself covered with liability insurance in your alternative career path. You need to check out Alternative Balance. Just go to the link bio on the description of this podcast and follow the Alternative Balance link to see if they offer coverage for your profession. Hey, hey, y'all. It's time to have the herb of the hour. The herbal focus of the podcast this time. This episode, we are going to talk about yarrow. I don't think I've talked about that yet. So yarrow which is known as Achilles milliflorum, comes in, I shouldn't say comes, but will appear in many different shades, depending, right? So in my yard, the one that is the most prevalent in most places is white yarrow. This is the kind of yarrow that turns up in the edges of woodland areas, I know in Southern Ohio, it can grow pretty readily on its own. Where I'm at, like specifically in my backyard, it was planted by the previous residents of my property in a flower bed. And then of course, it caught attitude and jumped ship out of that flower bed. And for a long time, I thought it had just died off. And then I noticed 
that it was actually growing in my yard. So somewhere in there, it had decided to migrate. Um, and because it liked the spot it was in, I just let it have its way. So now I have a beautiful stand of white yarrow. And that is the yarrow that I use um, in my teas and I dry. And it's great stuff. I really like it. There's also uh, a pink yarrow that sometimes will show up as almost a deep reddish purple. And then there's a golden or yellow yarrow as well, which is something my mother used to grow when I was a kid. And that was the one that I was familiar with. So when I first saw white yarrow, I thought, oh, that's not it. But it most definitely is. So let's talk about Achilles milliflorum. It is an herb with a long, fascinating history. The myth and legend is that Achilles, the, the Greek warrior, right? Achilles, who it's named after, Achille, uh, used to carry it with him on the battlefield, and he would use it to staunch the bleeding of his warrior's wounds, right? So what that means is they were using it as a styptic. They would take the actual flower and macerate it a little bit, kind of crunch it up and stuff it or shove it into a wound to get it to quit bleeding. Now, this is something that I, I mean, I'm not real sure in a pinch. Yes, that will work. Um, it would need, the wound would need to be debrided though. Once you get it looked at by emergency medical personnel, um, this, this plant, whether, no matter what color you seem to run across it in, um, it kind of resembles wild carrot. Um, the dead giveaway is going to be the leaves. Now the leaves look like they have many, 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 many little fine fern-like, almost needly looking projections, those are the leaves, right? So there'll be one spine that comes out with many of those. That's why they call it millifolium, right? Millifolium means like a million little leaves, okay? The flowers, it'll kind of have like an umbrella area where there'll be many, many little florets and it makes squish it together and it becomes a flower of yarrow, right? So it's many, many little tiny flowerets smashed together. Now, it's great to look up pictures of this. And I have on my social media some side-by-side -side comparisons of wild carrot or Queen Anne's lace versus yarrow, especially the white yarrow, so that people can kind of see the differences themselves because those, that, those are two plants that get mixed up occasionally. Also, some people get a little too scared of assorted poison hemlock varieties and they see wild carrot and or yarrow and assume that it is a poison hemlock. Really, you need to put your time into knowing how to identify your plants to avoid that confusion. As always, if you are not 100% comfortable making that discernment, 
consult someone who knows their stuff that knows the subject matter very well, or, you know, grow it yourself from seed for a while. Get that familiarity before you go out gathering. Now, um, yarrow grows in a range of habitats from Britland and Ireland all the way through the United States now. So it's pretty much naturalized through most of the temperate climates. Um, the key medicinal constituents are its volatile oils, cineol, eugenol, thujone, camphor, agilines, bitter principles, uh, tannins, salicylic acid, which means it may help out with some pain, and isovalerianic, I can never say this, isovalerianic acid which is also in valerian root. Hmm, another flower that looks similar. Um, the herbal actions in the herbal lingo are anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, diuretic, diaphoretic, that means it makes you sweat, astringent, meaning that it pulls fluid out of, expectorant, and vulnerary, okay? Um, you can use yarrow as an edible. It is edible. However, you don't want to eat a lot of it. Okay. Little bits and pieces as an edible. It makes a good bitter, um, bitters, which is that bitter principles that is part of the medical medicinal constituents. Bitters stimulate the production of bile and may be used to help you digest your foods better. Um, in the spring and early summer, the young leaves will add a little bit of a crunchy texture to a mixed salad. Um, you get that bitterness to stimulate the bile, and yet there's a little bit of savory to it. Sometimes I have run across information saying that it can be used to make a beer, while it's mainly used as a wound healer, it makes a great astringent. So say that you uh, use it as a tea and you use that tea maybe as a face wash. That can help with, you know, stripping that excess oil and that thick grimy feeling off the skin. Uh Eating or drinking yarrow regularly, they a lot of sources state that it could um, prevent dyspe dyspepsia and ulcerations. So, you know, right there, that's because of those bitters. It helps stimulate digestive fluids, right? Now, yarrow can promote a sedative activity on the nervous system. Um, they say that it can be used as an antispasmodic for nervous dyspepsia. So that's a nervous stomach if you get indigestion when you're uptight. A little bit of yarrow may help that. Now, the anti-inflammatory phenol salicylic acid can be found in yarrow. Usually, you know, you see a lot of sources herbally for that, and they're getting it from meadowsweet or white willow. 
But, you know, sometimes you can pull a little bit of yarrow if you don't have those others available. Um, my favorite use is using yarrow when you're not feeling so great, right? So let's say you have a sore throat, uh, red inflamed tissues. You can make some yarrow tea, sip on that. That astringent quality, um, usually for me, it helps get that swelling out of those tissues. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then because it is also a diaphoretic, by drinking the tea, you can push that fever through to a point where you sweat or you break your fever. Um, now, this is a member of the Asteraceae family or asters. So there could be a risk of sensitivity. So say you, have, you are allergic to daisies or ragweed, um, chamomile, which may be a problem when you're allergic to ragweed. So you want to make sure that you are not allergic to yarrow. Um, sometimes yarrow is used as a uh, essential oil. Yarrow essential oil usually is blue, and that's because of the presence of something called agilines. Uh, agilines are a chemical constituent that influence the color, among other things. Um, a lot of sources list that yarrow essential oil is possesses the ability to, to reduce redness, unclog pores, calm irritation, and reduce acne scars. But right there, that is the astringent properties of this plant. Um, using yarrow essential oil on your skin may make you sensitive to sunlight. They call that photosensitivity, which means it could make you burn a little easier. You should be aware of that. Uh, wild carrot oil is the same. It could make you have a little bit of sunburn a little bit quicker. So you need to watch that. Uh, one of the other things you really want to watch is that pregnant women should not use yarrow. Uh, there's an ability of yarrow to relax smooth muscle. And of course, the uterus is made of smooth muscle. And so therefore, there is a possibility that yarrow could induce a miscarriage or put someone into early labor. So therefore, if you are pregnant, it is not suggested that you use yarrow at all. We, there's other things that you need to use. One of the most interesting property uses of yarrow, not properties, uses that I just found about out about yesterday is its use as a flower essence. Uh, flower essences were developed back at the turn of the 1900s. Um, they were developed by a homeopath who was also a surgeon in England. His name was Dr. Bach. But more so than who developed them is how do you use them. And flower essences work with the energetic body, right? And they help to soothe on an emotional um, level in the energetic body. And a lot of people, you know, think that that's a little woo-woo. But woo-woo all you want. I don't care. This stuff works. 
So yarrow is something that is normally used for protection. In flower essences, they will split it up according to the white yarrow, the pink yarrow, and the golden or yellow yarrow. And they just have a slight difference. Most of them um, help to increase your energetic protection and allow for the creation and the maintenance of healthy boundaries, right? So like when you're in a large group of people and you seem to be sucking up all their energy and you need to have that boundary so you can be a part of the group without sucking up everyone else's psychic and emotional crap. Yarrow allows you to remain sensitive, open, maybe empathetic, but allows you to maintain that healthy boundary or a psychic skin, right? I, I, that's a good way to put it, a psychic skin. It puts up that filter so you can listen to someone and be empathetic and offer support without sucking up that feeling yourself. So this is a really good flower essence for people who work in healing modalities, people who work in the medical arena, um, people who work in a factory setting and are sucking up all the drama off the coworkers who think they're still in junior high and have to nit -nit 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 and nitpick behind each other's back. Yarrow is for you. And while white yarrow, pink yarrow, and the yellow or golden yarrow all are slightly different and tweaked, they all deal with this integrity of boundaries. Um, most of the flower essences that come from the aster family, daisies, echinacea, arnica, calendula, etc., they are... I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. They are flower essences that help to rebuild and make your energy shine. Does that make any sense? I think so. So there you go, people. That's today's herbal focus is yarrow. Hopefully that's some information to help you out to go looking for it as a remedy when you're out and about identifying plants. It's a great, useful remedy to have on hand. I'm blessed to have it growing in my backyard. And you will occasionally, when I have it available, find dried yarrow available on the website herbchickonline.com. So you have a wonderful time using yarrow and go out there and be that holistic badass and put yarrow to work for you. HerbalCon is coming to Western Ohio. Come join us at HerbalCon 2023 in Wapakoneta, Ohio. Wapakoneta is located at the intersection of US 33 and I-75. It will be held at the Auglaize County Fairgrounds in the Junior Fair Building on February 18th, 2023. We have speakers covering such topics as clinical herbalism, native plants in your permaculture, and foraging for spring edibles and medicinals. 
We'd love to have you. Come on down. Tickets are $10. And there's also a pre-order box lunch available. Get those tickets at herbchickonline.com in the shop. It is time for Ask the Herb Chick. Today, I am going to bring up a question that I've gotten hit up with three times in the last week. I was told by a close friend, also a customer, and also a coworker at a job that I fill in once in a while. Uh, and this is what they said. Lori, I have extreme body odor. Like, I don't stink, but as soon as I get warm or a little bit damp with perspiration, I stink. What should I do? Well, here we go. We're going to answer this to everybody because I've answered it three times in the last couple of weeks, and I want to make sure that I share it. First of all, you have to understand that body odor is a kind of a complex thing. Okay. Usually it is not you that stinks. It is the death of the bacteria in that area when your sweat hits it, right? So you have a certain pH of your skin that creates a good environment for certain types of bacteria to live on your skin. It's just the way it goes. You will never get rid of it. Okay. Let the bacteria live there. It serves a purpose. However, as you sweat, and your armpits are one of those places where you're going to sweat more profusely, your sweat and the chemical compounds in your perspiration can kill that bacteria and therefore their dying, their death stinks. It's bacterial decomp on your skin. Totally gross, right? But that's okay. That is okay. Now, some people have noticed that using antiperspirants and certain types of deodorants with artificial scents in them can actually increase this body odor, okay? If you're one of those people, this is for you because people want to know what I would do if I were them in that situation. So there's two things that I would do. Well, three three things. First one is I would do some detoxing masks on my armpit. Mask. M-A-S-K-S, right? Masks on my armpits. I know that sounds crazy, right? Like a mask on your face is fine, but a mask on your armpit? Oh my God, Lori, you're crazy. No, no, no. I would mix together some activated charcoal. Not a lot, just a little because you're otherwise you're going to stain your armpits black but a little bit of activated charcoal, some arrowroot, and either coconut oil, if that agrees with you. I personally tend to be more dry after using coconut oil, so I would use uh, shea butter, or because shea butter sometimes can get rancid, I would skip straight to sunflower oil. And I would mix that into a paste. Now, some people really like sesame oil. Sesame oil tends to be a little more warming, right? So in Ayurveda, they talk about using sesame oil to increase the circulation. So if you are into Ayurveda and you are a kapha person and you have a sluggish circulation, then you may want to use sesame oil. I'm a pitta person. Sunflower oil tends to work pretty decent for me. 
So you'll want to mix those things together into a paste, smear them on your armpit, and let it sit. This can kind of pull and draw some of the goo and the nasty out of the pores. It's good for you. Then just wash it off in the shower as you would any other time. Then what I would do is ditch that antiperspirant. Just get rid of it. Anything that has aluminum salts in it as an antiperspirant has always made me stink worse in the long run. And then I become obsessively bathing to the point of giving myself rashes. It's just not worth it. What's the problem if you're sweating a little as long as you don't smell? And then I instead mix up a couple of options on deodorant. Now, there are some really good natural deodorants out, of, out there that use, say, olive oil, a little bit of beeswax, uh, some arrowroot. Some of them use baking soda, although baking soda sometimes has aluminum in it. Um, a little bit of essential oils, that type of thing. And they rub it on like a lotion bar. Sometimes that works really well. I like to use spritzer sprays because my spritzer sprays that I make have um, ethyl alcohol in them as a preservative to keep them A, from freezing, and B, to keep bacteria from growing in them. So I will go ahead and just use those on my underarms, and they always have a little bit of essential oil of my choice in them, and I use them as a deodorant. Along with, you know, sometimes you really just need to bathe more often. Big whoop. Use some soap. Wash your armpits, man. The third thing that I would do is work in t in on the internal workings of your body. Um, in a lot of traditional healing modalities, the liver is highly regarded as that organ that, that's going to keep you from stinking. I mean... Especially say you smell like onions. Well, sure, if you've been eating a lot of garlic, onions, cumin, curry, that kind of thing, it can cause you to have that sulfur-like smell, but that should only be temporary. If it's going on and you're not consuming those things, you're going to want to look at the liver and its functions. The, liver's large, it, the liver is the body's largest detoxification and detox organ. It gets hot like a personal computer. It could get hot, start shutting down, like when your phone's in the sun too long. Um, and due to the changes in people's diets and lifestyle in modern day life, our livers are overloaded, man. They just are. And then people will start to notice that it cannot decompose or process the toxins, which it does through a process called methylization that uses sulfur. Um, it, it cannot methylize and decompose those toxins and change them into forms that your body can get rid of fast enough. And then it, those toxins will just get excreted through the feces or the skin pores, thereby producing B.O. So... When there's body odor, it could be enough to show that the liver has been not necessarily damaged, but it's bogged down and its processes are slightly diminished. 
My favorite thing to suggest that people try is liquid chlorophyll. Now, I'm pretty picky about my chlorophyll, people. There's one brand I like because it tastes decent. The other ones taste like I'm licking, I'm just licking green. And I love my greens, but I do not want to drink concentrated greens. So I usually suggest a brand that has a mint flavor to it. It's very mild, very very soothing to the digestive tract, and it doesn't jump up and grab you with, you're drinking green juice. Uh, some chlorophyll is absorbed into the bloodstream during digestion, and as the blood passes through the liver, the chlorophyll promotes the liver's cleansing and detoxification processes by its action on the phase two detoxification enzymes produced by the liver. There you go. Some studies involving animals, meaning not humans, other animals, indicate that chlorophyll may reduce the risk for alpha-toxin-induced liver damage or liver cancer. Now, those are very early studies, but that just shows that we need to do more research into it because, hey, there's a little bit of a benefit there and it needs to be looked at. So there you go, guys. That is my tip what to do for the big bad B.O., and that is the stuff I would try. Go out there, quit stinking, and be that holistic badass. Wow, so much information today. So much. Like, just cramming it all into your noggin. I hope that you're all using your ginkgo and go to cola so that you can retain some of that knowledge, keep the circulation going to those brain cells. You bet. I hope all of you enjoyed today's podcast episode and I invite you to subscribe, check out all the past episodes. This is one of my babies trying to expand the knowledge of everything that is out there in the holistic health realm so that other people can take advantage of it, that we all have some of those tools and we have that big toolbox and we can reach in and have the tool we need when we need it for the situation we need it for. So by all means, go out there and be that holistic badass self. If you want more information from me, you can find it at herbchickonline.com. You'll find me on most social media under Lori the Herb Chick or The Herb Chick. Make sure you're looking for the crazy hair because that one's me. There's a lot of us Herb Chicks out there and we all have great information. But if you're looking for me specifically, that's what you're doing. So please, by all means, check out Jeanette, check out herbchickonline.com and go out there and be your holistic badass self.